This is before the blow up podcast. Yeah, we've only got one camera angle, but we're we're running it anyway, and we're here with Dean Lucas. Dean. I haven't met you before, but yeah, good to meet you. So, but I'm honored to have you on, man. Like honestly, I'm stoked. I'm actually so stoked that you come on. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thanks. For that. And your studio, like, is sick. It is really cool. Like, uh, I appreciate sick. it. Awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. It's like, this is obviously like your first guest or like one of your first episodes. Yeah, you're literally the first guest. So we've had like, we try to have a few guests on there and then they're like, oh, we're like, oh, okay, we'll book you in here. And they're like, oh, actually, no, nah, I'm not good that day. So like, we've had a few, but like, I was like, oh, I really want to talk to Dean, really want to talk to Dean. It takes time there. And I think as well, like it's going to take, like at the start, obviously you've got each other and you can do solo episodes, which will help build it. But mm. when you're trying to get guests on, it is hard at the start. I had the benefit when I started mine, it was on the World Cups and I had so many connections with yeah. people on the World Cup. So it flowed quite easily, but it is a process to build a name up and do it. But like I just had a little shitty microphone that I didn't know how to use. I just ran around with a backpack and a laptop. And it's almost more fun at the start because you can kind of suck and it's all good because you're learning. But yeah. then when you get more into it, it's like, all right, now the bar's been lifted. So then you've got to go to that standard. Yeah, I mean, But you also learn so much as well. Yeah. But you'll have a studio next time I see the blow up. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> what about when you blow up? Is it going to be the blow, we've blown we, up podcast? We talked about or, behind the blow up or, or after the blow up. Or something like that. We still got a little way to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When it does, let's see a name change. Yeah, worry about that when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, so... Yeah, how did you come about starting your own podcast then? Was it like, what was the inspiration? Um, me and Charlie Harrison, we actually didn't, I didn't want to make a podcast per se. We wanted to do like an after race show or pre-race show. So more or less, you know, when you watch baseball or basketball or football, they have like the panel of people that talk about the event, the yeah. sporting event, the race, yeah. whatever. We went, and I kind of did it with Eddie Masters this year, how we kind of oh, did a race recap. So they that, were good. They so that were was, good. That was the plan. It wasn't like, obviously, you're going to put it online, but it was more an interview-style thing where you talk about the ride, race, the riders, what's happening, the ins and outs of the sport, and that was our goal. And then it was just hard trying to link up with Charlie at every race to do it because he was on a different team, and it just kind of got tricky. So I just started doing it more solo, and then it kind of just eventuated into doing podcast more or less than and i go like the show was kind of a podcast as well it was kind of the same same thing but mm. uh started doing that really enjoyed it more than i thought i would asked questions with people i've known for 10 years that i never asked for any other reason that it was just it wasn't on my you know when you you know someone for so long but you don't ask them really simple things but when you do a podcast it's like you're asking for someone else so it's like you open up a different like dialogue with your friends and it makes you understand more about them, which I think is super beneficial to just your life in general. And mm. it comes from doing a podcast. Yeah. Like you be around people all the time and until you do a podcast with them, you go, okay, well, maybe there's more questions to ask than yeah. the surface level or wherever you might be asking it. So it's almost you're asking for other people, but you get as much out of it yourself. So Yeah, that's that's a cool thing to say. Hey, like the like you may know someone for your whole life but until you actually ask them something or ask them a question mm. it's like you can learn something from them that you thought you already knew everything about them exactly yeah and i think you've got to go into it and this is the thing i go into now when i interview someone no matter who it is is when you're talking to someone that they are an expert at something that you know nothing about and that could be anything big or small so it's like look at them like they are an expert at something and try and get as much information and knowledge as that person out of that person as you can 
And when you, as soon as you do that, as soon as you're just, you're here for your own knowledge and you'll ask genuine questions because you're trying to learn and then people listening to it will feel that and they'll obviously learn as well from it. So just be super curious, be super engaged and just, yeah, you'll just don't think there's a dumb question. If you don't know something, yeah, ask it. And then probably all the people at home be like, thank God you asked it because I didn't know it either. And it might seem obvious from the outside, but until you ask it, you don't know. Yeah, it's it's like, it's humbling almost. It's like you've almost got to come into it humble. And yeah, like you said, ask like ask any question. And we talked about it, like even on the way up here, um, ask questions that we want to know the answers to as well. Because if we're asking all these very surface level questions, then it's just going to become... That's what it is, man. You got to be curious. You got to be super curious and be like, I don't know this. And it might, you might convince yourself that it's a dumb question, but probably 99% of the people listening don't know it either. So until you go, I'm just going to ask a question and not care about looking like a fool or looking silly, because most people are like, oh, I actually wanted to know that as well. And once you drop that ego thing, because I think a lot of people that do podcasts almost do it to try and look a certain way. Like they want to be like, look how smart I am. Look how how much i know and they almost do it to like show their ego off yeah. where i don't think that's the case should be the case with podcasting you should do it to learn from someone else and kind of put your ego away and just be curious in those moments and obviously touch on things you know but not just like show it off in a way yeah yeah i think for me definitely starting the podcast i really wanted to start a, pod, a podcast because i wasn't the best at talking in front of a camera where josh was definitely much more charismatic and yeah. like yeah, he, he just knew how to talk to a camera a lot better than I did. And so a big reason why personally I wanted to start one was to learn how to articulate and dictate and be a bit more charismatic for the camera. Not disingenuine, but yeah, yeah but just try and... It take the, you'll, it'll come so naturally. And once you like, you'll look back at these ones and be, you'll feel a bit like notchy and not like awkward, but you'll just... It, takes a while to get that flow and once you're in it it's the easiest thing ever you just like i said to josh like we talk all the time yeah just talk like you're talking to me normally and then eventually you forget about the camera like i actually i feel more comfortable talking almost on a podcast like i change how i speak but in a good way it's like i change who i am and level up in a certain way and think harder think deeper and i feel like yeah articulate in different ways so think it just it's just one of those things that takes time it's muscle memory it's just you got to train it and get better at it because i said do you read much uh i listen to a lot of audio books i don't have a lot of time to read so i was gonna say if you're gonna do a podcast you gotta read man okay you're gonna read it's gonna cut i remember watching a clip and i think you said like like four yeah oh yeah he's done me so dirty four times in that thing but that's Dude, reading's like training. And it's like if you want to do a podcast, like you, that's that's your training. That's going to the gym. That's getting your brain thinking. That's getting like if you want to articulate your thoughts better, reading is such an easy, simple way to do that. Yeah. And like oh. listening to audio books is good, but if you actually want to become a better speaker, even when you're reading, read out loud. Mm. Like read to yourself, and you and then pause and like. There's ways to train it. And if you can read it like how you'd want to articulate on a podcast, that's going to be better when you do a podcast. Yeah, it's super so interesting. So just, yeah, it's it's like I try and read every day now and I know when I'm reading all the time, I speak so much better. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. If you can. Yeah. Definitely will help. That, well, what, what books are you reading at the moment? What's the book you're going through? Got one at the moment. Um, it's in my bag, actually. No, it's on the table. It's uh, Tony Robinson. Oh, Is yeah. the actual name of it? 
And waking the giant within, yeah. So I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. He's like a motivational speaker. He's sick. And yeah, it's just getting a lot of... We're talking about I'm reading a part now and it's about values and where you see your values in what order you see them in. And it was funny because I was doing a few things recently that weren't really good for my health and my top value would be health. And I wasn't feeling that good because I wasn't living to like my true values. And it's like, if you're not living to your true values, no matter what they are, mm. there's always going to be a blowback on yourself and your emotions and your feelings. So I read that and I was like, okay, what in what order are my values lined up? And it would probably be like health, love, compassion for others, maybe freedom. Um, I think of what else would be there. Like um, gratitude, like those kind of things. And once you see them and then you go, okay, these are my values. And then if you don't live to them, you're like, no wonder I'm not mm. feeling the best I can because you're not living to your core values of who you are as a person. So, And how did you kind of come to, was it part of the book kind of crafting that list or like how did you come to? There was, they, they give you like examples of right. certain things of where he kind of put his values at. But I just know for myself, like health, I don't think, like you, without your health, it's like, for a perfect example, when you get sick, what else do you care about? yeah nothing so it's like when you're sick you realize that okay if i can't care for someone else i can't worry about like love or compassion or even like great like all that kind of goes out the window so if you're not healthy it's like it's hard to focus on those other things that you need to focus on so i just put that at the top for me and then the other ones like love i think that's super important i think that's kind of the whole if you can feel proper genuine love i think that's the best thing any person can feel so i put that in there um even like your yeah, gratitude for your situation. It's hard to be pissed off and angry if you're grateful. Yeah. <laughs> you try and stay in that as much as you can, but I heard um I heard from I don't know where I heard it from, but the opposite of anxiety is thankfulness and gratitude. And mm. so it's I think chemically in your brain it's impossible to be to have to be anxious and have anxiety while you're like have you ever try? Have you ever tried to be grateful and angry at the same time? Yeah, it's doesn't much, work. Doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> yeah, and it's easy to like. It's a thing. Like my mate um, Cooper Chapman, he does a thing like three things you're grateful for, and it's pretty easy to pull out three things. And as soon as you focus on those three things, it takes out a lot of worry about 100%. all these other things. And our brains have this really funny thing how they'll make every situation seem a lot worse than it is. And a lot of the time they'll make the good situations not seem as good as they are. So it's like, how do you trick yourself? Not trick yourself, but how do you change your mindset around? Okay, so this actually isn't as bad. A lot of time if you write it down or say it out loud, and the, like a trick you can do is if you're in a bad situation, record yourself on your phone talking about how bad your situation is and then watch it back. Yeah. I guarantee That's- you, <laughs> I guarantee you watch it back and be like, oh my God, shut the fuck up like you just seem like what am i saying but sometimes we need to see ourselves in that state because if you like the whole thing is like if you treated yourself like your best friend you'd probably treat yourself really well but we don't treat ourselves like our best friends we treat ourselves like this person that we don't care about mm. and we don't have those like we don't look in a mirror of who we are or what we're doing and you just kind of go down this path of looking at yourself and going oh, i'm not good enough or i'm not doing this enough or blah 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 but if you looked at your best friend in that way, you'd be like, you're a dick, man. Like, yeah. stop stop putting me down. Like, build me up kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just, like, look after yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. Or less. 
But um, yeah, I mean, the podcast is called Before the Blow Up, so I would honestly like to, as a mountain bike rider as well, would like to talk a bit about like your upbringing, I guess, as yeah. well. Like even as like a kid, like your upbringing and what pushed you into riding. So I guess my first question was, was how was your childhood? Childhood, childhood was good, man. You grew up on a farm, grew up with a lot of freedom, like a heap of freedom to do pretty much whatever we wanted in the in the sense of like we rode motorbikes, we went shooting, we drove around in like rally cars on the property. Like we could just kind of go, we lived like our land backed onto the forest. So we'd ride motorbikes up in the forest. We were kind of as free as you can kind of be in that sense. So that was, it was really fun. And it was like, I had, I had a good upbringing. Parents loved me, like just really just fun. We had cousins that would come over, we'd go riding motorbikes and all, all that kind of stuff. So it was really fun in that regard but it was also quite isolating in a way being like in a country setting where like the closest town was like 10 minutes away but even that's like a real small country town as well yeah. so i guess we didn't have that we had a lot to do in our little bubble when it came to like riding and all that so i think i just gravitated towards that because it was i didn't i couldn't just go to like the skate park or something i couldn't just go hang out with mates and play soccer or stuff like that it was like you you're here and whatever you've got here is what you've got and that's why i think i gravitated so heavily towards like mountain biking and motocross and all that because it was just like literally my backyard yeah. i could ride out of my shed and i'd have a motocross track right there or a mountain bike track that i'd build jumps on like i remember building dirt jumps i remember going into i watched used to watch a show called drop in there's like i've never heard of that hey. you never even heard of it never heard of drop in damn millennials so go search up drop in that's like that's that what is what got me started these guys from um from canada and they'll travel around and ride different like skinnies and all that kind of yeah. like, wooden features and stuff in america and like i mean canada and Kamloops and whistler and they got me into mountain biking pretty much and i just go build jumps out in the paddock for hours and hours and hours and it was yeah the one of the funnest things i remember just being out there on a shovel for hours and it was funny because the sheep with my my uncle had um, a sheep that would come in yeah, and they would always wreck the jumps. I remember I'd come home from school sometimes and I'd see the sheep in the paddock and I'd just just be like, oh no, not again. But it was this good resilience that it built, man, that it's like no matter how much effort you put into something and how much love and affection and care and like effort again and again and again, something outside of your control can come take that away from you. Mm. And it builds the resilience that no matter what you do, something out of your control can take it away. And it's just accepting that and being like, okay, rebuild again, rebuild again. And it builds that resilience. And it's like, this comes back to, I guess, when you go to races, you could have the run of your life and then it starts raining halfway down or something like that. Like it's, again, it's that resilience to go, okay, something can happen that's outside of my control that could wreck my day in a way. Yeah. But... If it's out of your control, it's out of your control. And I think, I guess you have been a good um, advocate for that at races where it's like, you'll see stuff happen and you go, well, that is what it is. It's mm. all good. Mm. And then you go show up again and show up again. And that's yeah. that's the biggest thing. It's like you, people get so concerned about winning and how that's like the main focus, but you're not always going to win. Mm. But if you keep showing up, like you're trying to win and you keep putting that effort in like that, is what builds you into the person you want to be. It doesn't have to be winning. You just need to keep showing up yeah. and keep showing up for you. So 
I guess it's just those, yeah, like little things growing up that showed me that it was like, and it like subconsciously happened as well. Mm. I didn't think that. I just got pissed off because of this sheep, but then it happened again and again. Yeah. And it's these little things. You kind of almost Mr. Miyagi, you know, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. 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 Um, karate. Karate. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's these little things that turn you into the person that you were meant to be, but at the time you hate it. But then most of the time when you're in something you hate, it's probably going to turn into something really good for you mm. later on. So in as a hindsight perspective, though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly in the moment but it's trying to also have that thought process in those moments like whenever shit gets really hard go okay what's this teaching me mm. like have you heard the idea of like the pain teacher yeah i i mean it seems pretty self-explanatory but mm. it makes sense on the other side of pain is the biggest lessons yeah yeah, yeah exactly so it's like whenever you get even if it's just like you crash it's like why did i crash Mm. or why did like heartache or like a business failed or like something happened it's just like okay what am i going to get out of this yeah and there's always something in there you just got to dig for it to get it and sometimes it takes longer than other times but it's like it's it's in there yeah wow that's yeah um <laughs> yeah what yeah that i'm just still processing just that process- that's unreal <laughs> um because you would have felt that like this year like there would have times and you wouldn't have been stoked with what happened or where you're at. And then you're probably looking back, you're like, okay, well, because man, look, pain, so you get pain or pleasure, right? And people want to run away from pain or they want to understand it so they don't go back into pain. So yeah. that's when it teaches you because it's like, I don't like this and I don't want to go back here. Mm. So I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I don't go back here. And yeah. that's the thing you realize. Like I'm way more motivated by pain. Yeah. Like I don't want to, be in that at all and like even play like pleasure is nice but it doesn't motivate me the same way as pain does right. so you would have felt this year when you you would have had like a bad race or something would have happened and then you're thinking that and that's your fuel man that's your fuel when you're training that's your fuel when you're working out what you're going to do next year that's your fuel that, that feeling of being in that spot you're like i don't want to go back there and that is what like that's when you're getting up early that's when you're training hard that's when you're making the right connections that's when you're riding your bike and testing it that's all those things come from that feeling of like i'm not going back there yeah. that sucked yeah so it's like understanding that pain and then using it like it's fuel that yeah. pain is fuel and it's going to like drive you forwards mm. yeah it's it's similar to like that um like having a role model but an opposite something like you don't want to be mm. Mm. but seeing someone that you're like okay that's not the life i want exactly and i'm seeing yeah. what they're doing so let's do the opposite of that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah no that makes sense um i guess talking about pain and pleasure and getting things out of out of your biggest like troubles what was one of the biggest lessons or that you've learned from your accident from the accident mm. um probably the biggest thing that i learned that it, it's dangerous to be in something when you're not fully in it mm. if you're not 100 percent in something get out because and it was funny that i was actually getting out yeah so i wasn't like i wasn't if I wasn't to retire and it happened, um, I probably almost would have felt worse because like after it happened, it was kind of like it was always going to happen in a way because it's like I wasn't... After, after Leger, I'd mentally checked out of World Cup racing. I was... Just there to ride now sort of thing. Not even? Or... I didn't care. I didn't even want to ride. The day I crashed, I did my first run. And you obviously know how slippery and sketchy snowshoe was. And yeah, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> it was bad. And I did my first run. I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I almost... I went back up the top and I was like, I'm just going to wait till qualifying when the sun comes out. 
and just do my quality run. And honestly, if I didn't qualify, I honestly would have been happy. Yeah. Like I was still going to try. There's always that thing inside of me that I'm not not going to try. Yeah. But I get that attitude though because I had the exact same attitude and got my best result there. With the whole not care. Not care about qualifying. I was just happy to be there. Oh, I wasn't even happy to be there. Oh. That's the thing. I <laughs> okay, like, I was. I like to. Um, I like to. Yeah, say that I was happy to be there, but I, I was just like emotionally, and mentally, I'd kind of checked out yeah. after Leger. Why is that? Well, I announced my retirement. I was like, on the like, I, I just knew that I was, I was, I was over. It was done. It almost just felt like I was just there to hang out with people and kind of have a bit of a send off. But, um, like mentally, I. I remember when I'd go to a race and you go to a race to win like, mm. and have that mindset that I can win or I can get a podium. I had the mindset if, if I don't qualify, I didn't care. Right. And that's, you can't be good at something when you don't care. Mm. Yeah. Like anything you care about carries with it a certain level of negative emotions that if you fail, you're going to feel that. Yeah. And I didn't feel that. Right. So I was just there because I'd, it was my job still. I should be there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I didn't even want to do the run that I crashed on. I remember telling my mechanic that I was going to wait to qualifying. And I was sitting there almost till the end of qual- uh, practice. And my mechanic, I don't want to throw Gary under the bus, but he's like, oh, just do a cruisy one. Just like go down and check, see how the, like, dry the track is now. Mm. And that's when I went down. I went head first in the tree and stretched my spinal cord, was paralyzed for a bit. And yeah, it's still still coming back now. I've got feeling mostly back in my hands. Just strength isn't quite there yet, and nerves haven't all rewired. But yeah, pretty um, traumatic experience to be laying on the ground and not knowing if you're going to walk again, and mm. kind of some yeah, some pretty heavy thoughts are going through your head in that moment. And yeah, you kind of got a lot of <laughs> stuff you got to unpack, and it's um, I'm very like I'm super grateful that a lot of people don't feel that, and then come back the same there's not well like there's there's very rare that you have a spinal cord injury and then you'll recover as well as i have yeah so i fully understand the gravity of how lucky i am which is which is something that and so so like i'm not 100 percent, but i'm so much better than 99.9 percent of people that would hit a tree doing 40ks now ahead first so yeah yeah <laughs> It's pretty crazy. I actually did have a question I wrote down about when you're the deep thoughts I said, you said you're going through, mm. um, uh, I was listening to your, one of the Q and A's you did about like your recovery updates mm. and you said, um, it was the first time you prayed to God mm. and you're not a religious man. I was just going to ask, um, why in that? almost moment of despair i guess you could say and uncertainty why did you pray and what did you pray to i guess as well i don't know the answer but i don't like i don't know why i did like i and i don't i don't know if anyone would actually know the answer to that but i was scared i was really scared yeah and i know that in a point when people are going to either die or in a serious state where their their life's in threat, they seem to go to whatever they think God is. Mm. And I remember making a deal with him that I said, if you get me back the feeling in my body or give me back my, I think I just said my legs or my, like, if you give me back my body, I'll help as many people as I possibly can in whatever way I can. 
So he gave it back. So I've got to yeah. uphold my end of the deal now. <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah, that's, that's the first time. And I wouldn't like someone made us. I don't know who. I'm not super like I'm not super religious. I feel like being a good person isn't doesn't mean you have to go to church or anything like that. I think mm. it's just being a generally good person. Yeah. Being good to other people. I think that's that's enough for me. But yeah, in that moment, um, in that moment, I thought he was someone that I wanted to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I got the feeling back. So I got to uphold my end of the deal, and I've got a few things in mind of what I want to do to help other people, but. Yeah, that was that was the first time I ever ever prayed in that in yeah ever really. So yeah, wow. Would you be okay with sharing what the things you have in mind are, or that? would you be okay with sharing the things you have in mind to help other people, or David? The, the big one I want to do, and I've talked about it a bit, but I um, it's one of those things you know when you sometimes when you talk about things you're gonna do, it's like almost that's just a bit of an ego trip mm. to like look at me. But I'm like, you haven't done shit yet. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, you know, people that just a lot of talk. Mm. Yeah. And I know if I say something, I'm going to do it. And I've said it a few times now. And I said it on a few people's podcasts. So I know it's, I have to do it now. Yeah. I'm not one to pull out. But I want to ride from the bottom of Australia and Tasmania, the very point to the top of Australia and try and do it. Um, Holy. In the quickest, oh, yeah. like quickest time ever done. Like world record. World record, yeah. So that's that's, that's the goal. But I want to do it um, and raise awareness around mental health, in particular like youth, like young mental health. Because that's obviously, that's something I suffered with when I was younger and something that I'm quite passionate about. So I feel like that's a really good cause to get behind and I want to test myself. And I think the spinal cord injury and coming back from that, it just adds, adds to the story. Yeah. So I think hopefully next year maybe around october september october november i might try and do it if yeah. i'm feeling like i'm healthy and fit enough that i can that's so cool but yeah that that's that's a goal that i want to set in place and i kind of look at it as something and it's just like it's going to be hard but it's also going to be really cool and, and i'm sure it'll be rewarding too super rewarding yeah man. super rewarding i think you should always find things and put like one thing when i retired from racing that's always been such a challenge that you've got to overcome and i think life should be full of challenges i think mm. so many people want this comfortable life where everything's easy and i was like comfortability will kill you yeah. like hard things will will teach you and make you grow like that's that's what life is more about in my opinion so i know that in those hard times when you're in those states or you if you're riding and you're pushing yourself every day and it's going to teach you a lot about yourself. And if it can inspire other people to help more people, then that's good. And if it can raise the money for people that need it, that's good as well. So things like that. And that's just, that's the next big thing in my mind. But I know yeah. I'm sure something else will come up and yeah. Yeah, yeah. The things will flow into it. So, and even just with the podcast, like I want to, I want to talk to people that I feel like have cool stories that can help other people. Like yeah. just be, be a light, like be a light that, shines so bright that it helps other people and the, their lights are turned off so yeah just try and carry that with me with what i do and where mm. i go that's super cool mm. i um you said backtracking a bit you said comfortability will kill you mm. and um is there has there been a time like in your life that you feel you've come to a point of comfort and you needed to kind of get out of that if so like how did you do that never Kind of, it's it's hard to get comfortable when you race mountain bikes professionally. Hey, like, <laughs> there's always a certain level of risk that comes along with it. So I I don't 
I, don't, I guess in a way when I was like where I was living before moving up here was like a smaller kind of town. Mm -hmm. And I guess in a way that was comfortable. I had my family there. I had a friendship circle. I had like a job that you get up, you do this, you do that. It's You don't so much get challenged and it is comfortable. Yeah. So I think when you're in those states, that's the best time to jump and feel that fear and feel that uncertainty. And then that's why I moved up here. I lived out of my van for about a month and just came up the coast and ended up sleeping in it near the beach and trying to find a rental property and just get just change my life up meet new people just go put yourself out there right. more or less and then even when obviously the racing ended i was like okay i need something what's the next thing and then i'm creating this creating a business like that's a new challenge that's i'm not comfortable right now i'm trying to set something up it's like it's all these things but i think when things are hard that should be like it's a prerequisite to success is something being hard or success in the way of you're like you're proud of that success and i think so many people shy away from hard things mm. but like even now i'll get days where i'm like i don't want to do this this is hard this sucks i'm by myself i'm spending lots of money no one's around i got to like late night, like all these things and then i stop and i go okay we're on the right track yeah like this sucks the train's headed in the right way yeah yeah, yeah 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 exactly so i think a lot of people in those states they go this is hard and they jump off the train and this comes back to things are normally not as bad as you think they are and they'll probably get better than what you think they will yeah so i think yeah stay on the train get to, like when is anything you've really appreciated and cared for and been happy with in the end when has that not been hard in the process to get to there and you think about everything worthwhile. Yeah. You're saying you're a muso. Yeah. I guarantee when you first started playing an instrument, it hated it. Yeah. You're like, I suck at this. Yeah. And then you weather the storm, you get better, and then it's enjoyable. It's like I. It's like surfing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's like anything. And there's such a good thing, that, and I think this is um, something that where I relate ice baths to because when you see people get into an ice bath, there's, there's all this fear. And like, oh, it's cold, I'm going to hop in, it's going to suck, I'm going to feel a certain way. And you can relate an ice bath to anything, like a skill that you want to learn. So just relate surfing, ice bathing. You're scared of the ocean, you're scared about you're going to suck, you're not going to be fit, you're, like, you're nervous, but you haven't actually tried it. So with an ice bath as well, you're, like, you're nervous, you don't want to get in. Anyway, you get in, it sucks, it's cold. You get in the ocean with a surf, it sucks, you can't paddle, you get slammed by waves. Yeah. Okay, you're in the ice bath for five minutes okay, it's my body's going a little bit numb. I'm getting used to it. My breathing's getting better. You're on the surfboard. Oh, my arm's getting stronger. I'm getting fitter. Oh, I'm, I might catch the odd wave now. Yeah. 10 minutes go past. I'm completely numb. I'm relaxed. I'm breathing. You're on the surfboard. I'm surfing waves now. I'm enjoying it. It's not that bad. Mm. You get out. That was the best thing I ever did. I feel great now. You get out of the ocean. That was the best thing I ever did. Mm. But it's that process of knowing, telling yourself this story that it's going to suck overcoming that story that you tell yourself to then actually do the thing knowing that when you do the thing you're not going to be good at it for a long period of time yeah. but it's still showing up to it and then getting better and getting better and then by the end of it you're like oh my god i'm so glad i did that it's second nature now and i really enjoy this yeah but there's always that process of going through that and people get to that point where they suck and it's painful and they don't want to be here and then they jump off and they never get to that point when they're like oh this is easy and i love this, this now mm. but it's just you've got to stay in the water on the board for that period of time um. Yeah. you got to suck for a while and yeah and be it's okay, okay to it. suck man it's okay to suck 
And it's so good to suck at something because every time you do it, you get so much better at it. Mm. Like, I don't get that much better when I go mountain biking. Yeah. I, I'm. You get to that point where you plateau. But if I go surfing, man, I learn like 10%. I get 10% better pretty much every surf because I'm... I'm from a I'm from zero, mm. so you get these big yeah. jumps, and that's so the progression is so fun, and that's what I was saying about the podcast. Like you'll get way better at podcasting each episode, yeah, and it will be like, oh my god, like this is this is new. So every time I do a new guest, oh my god, you get this extra jump, and you get this extra jump, and that's a big hit of dopamine, man. Yeah, getting 20 percent better at something in one episode or one surf or whatever it is, like that's like huge, huge, mm. massive, and I think it's like just try and enjoy that for that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That is cool. Um, how did right bike riding like your mental not even mental state, but how did bike riding change for you? I guess like going from just like doing it for fun as like a kid to like a pro. Like how did that killed. how did how did your mindset change? Did you like enjoy it anymore or No, nah, I killed it. The first year I went pro, I hated it. Was that last year? Because it went from something I wanted to do for fun to something I had to do for work. And I didn't realize how I would... There's... I heard this line the other day and it was just like, there's there's beauty in the struggle and there's something... What was it? It's like a J. Cole song. And it's like, there's beauty in the struggle and I think there's like something... It's like there's um, something... It's like something wrong in the success. I wish I wish I could think of it right now. But... Oh, what is it? Anyway, so like the whole idea is this in the like it comes back to the struggle and what's hard. Mm. There's so much good stuff in that, and then the success that sometimes there's stuff in the success that you didn't expect. So, from the outside, you've just got a professional ride, you should be happy as it was not happy as it killed it. I remember I didn't, I just I didn't want to ride my bike anymore. I had the worst season of my entire career in 2016. I did 20. 2015 i was i had a proper ride but i was like i got flights and bikes but no money i was like wasn't making anything i got third in lens hired i got 12th in the overall i was like coming up i was the fastest like up and coming racer and then got signed to intense got a professional deal got paid and then i just hated riding my bike <laughs> to be completely honest with you that's so crazy to think because like from an outside as a privateer i'm like that is what i want yeah. that's awesome i'm sick of working and that's it's actually quite almost bizarre to hear that. It's in a, in a way, it's it's just like the whole "be careful what you wish for," mm. and not everything seems as it seems. Like I had the most fun I ever had racing World Cups was when I was living out of a transit van with Jack and Joey Voter and all that. By far, really, by far. And you don't and like a lot of this is the thing, man. It's like people people look at successful people as being this like beacon of like that's the life that because it's portrayed that way but that's not always the case like you mm -hmm. can you can be happy as like do, like just bumming along in a van riding your bikes with your mates like a lot of time that's way more fun and it's one of those things like you always like you look at aaron Gwynn when he did his first race he got 10th and he was doing bar humps at the bottom on yeti yeah. I guarantee he was having more fun doing that than probably when he's like, I got to win now. I've won the last however many races. Yeah. Like the, yeah, this expectation and pressure gets put on you that can elevate people and people love it. And some people absolutely hate it and it can ruin something for some people. That's like, it's even now, man, like I really enjoy photography and people are like, oh, I should shoot, like you should shoot, start shooting stuff. And it's like, 
be careful what you get paid to do because as soon as you put a dollar figure on your art, whether that's racing, like I consider that like an art form, mm. it tarnishes it in some way because now you have something to rate what you do. So if you get paid X amount of money, that's like, okay, you're at this level as a racer. Oh, I take photos, we'll pay you this much. So I'm like, you think what I do is worth that. So now you have a value to my art mm. and that's going to, and then you go, okay, well, if I'm worth that, but then I think it's worth this and then they don't want to pay it. Oh, they don't like it. Or they don't think it's to that standard. So then that that's the thing that you have to come across. Like that's something that you will feel if you put yourself out there. It's like, what what am my, what is my art worth? That Yeah, that's something I definitely like relate to mm. like 100% from because obviously I release my own music and that kind of thing but to see I heard I heard this quote a while ago and I don't know the percentage but it said a certain percentage of people that start getting paid from their hobbies don't enjoy their hobbies anymore no, man. and it's crazy like when I started gigging um, I kind of it, it wasn't huge but I did sort of go through this kind of thing I'm like I don't, I don't know if I, don't know if I mm. like it as much or, or love it as much, but you, I think you get to a place whether it's, you're, you're just pushing on and persevering or, or something shifts. And for me, I don't know exactly what it was, but something shifted within me and I, and I said, okay, no, I want to do this, uh, to yeah, make money. Mm. Not, that's not the only reason I wanted to do it, but that, that was I, I can make money out of this. I'm going to gonna go for that. But definitely even seeing like the statistics behind the streams behind my songs or whatever, it, it comes back to that value. People are putting this much value. I'm only getting this many streams. It's it's hard to look at sometimes. It's and, a tricky thing, yeah. And for me, like I didn't get very many streams on the EP that I released. I worked so hard for it and I was, I was bummed, man. I was like, far out. I didn't, I didn't get as much as I want. So I definitely kind of relate to that and not in the same way, but there's definitely a correlation there but so you're putting your expectation or you're putting your value down to quantity mm. why like if if 100 people listen to it and 99 people absolutely love it is that better or worse than if a thousand people listen to it and 10 people like it yeah yeah you get what i mean yeah so it's like this whole thing and we live in a world now where likes and views that's value but realistically, and like that's something it's, I agree. Like I look at podcast numbers and if I put a podcast out and it has lots of numbers, I'm happy. If you put it out, it doesn't get that many. Oh, I'm sad. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's like, did you enjoy making that? Did you put everything you had into that? Yeah. So that's a win. Yeah. I always tell people when I did like a podcast with Simon French recently, the guy who owns Medina Bike Park and I finished it and I was like, I really enjoyed that. That was a good conversation. I'm happy as with that. And Luckily, it did good numbers, but if it didn't, it doesn't like that's good, yeah, in my head. And it's like you need to go have that thought process whether when you brought out your music or when you bring out a podcast. If you're happy with how you spoke, if you're happy with the person you talk to, if everything is good, then that is a good product. Hmm. And like, just because it might not be received by as many people as you would like, putting that number figure on it because it's like you never okay, so you, you do an episode, oh, I hope we get 10,000 views. It gets 10,000 views. Okay, I'm stoked. Next week. Okay, now we want to get 15,000 views. Oh, no, I've got 6,000 views. I'm bummed. Yeah. It's like this constant, like you're, you're determining 
views your happiness is being determined by other people's input that like it, it doesn't it doesn't matter it's like if you do your best work people will hopefully receive that as it's being your best work and keep like growing but you can't just get stuck it's like you get stuck in comments and views and likes and it's just like toxic world that isn't you're never gonna get you like when he it's all these i heard a statistic and it talks about every like they interviewed all these millionaires and they're like how much money would you need before you're happy mm-hmm. and it's always some stupid like it just keeps going yeah and you're okay i got a hundred million dollars i'll be happy when i have 200 million dollars it's like you like you, you always want more like yeah. as humans we always want more we're always like next next and it's like mm. this whole idea they talk about like athletes being broken because they don't have a turn they don't they can't turn off they like they're always trying to feed or fill something it's like this idea is like it's like i need i need something like what's enough because there's the thing it's like when you ask yourself like, okay how much money would you need okay that, okay that's enough and it's like how many views would you need okay that's enough and normally people that are really driven they can't turn themselves off because it's like what is enough and you look at someone even like greg minai who's the greatest of all time but he can't turn his brain off mm-hmm. he's still doing he's 42 years old and it was like sweet but i'm like dude what's enough yeah and then i'm i guarantee when he stops racing there's gonna be a he's gonna have a mental battle of like okay who's greg minar now and whatever he does after that like he's gonna have to obviously have to find something that he puts that energy into because he has so much of it that he's put into cycling and racing for so long but it's people always look at successful people and envy them but there's a certain point where you go okay i like the fact that i can turn my brain off and i know what enough is and I don't think a lot of people would want to live someone else's life if they knew the thoughts and processes and how they went day to day. Like most successful people. And I know like personally for me, when I was like in that, that mindset of like trying to be the best in the world at something, like it's, it's good if you want to be the best in the world at something, but it's also very destructive and disruptive into like day to day life and other things in your life. So I think it's trying to balance that, but it's, you've got to be selfish. You've got to be really selfish for yourself being an athlete. And I get you get to a point where you're like I don't want to be selfish anymore. I want to I want to help other people, not just me. And it's it's hard to be an unselfish athlete. I find right that knows when to turn them, turn it off. Yeah, I mean, not from an athlete's point of view, but I definitely feel, and even from what I've heard from, like even my mum, she's like, Isaac, you need to learn to turn your brain off. Like mm. I feel like that's something I'm definitely gonna have to battle with um, at some point. But yeah. Um, about the selfishness, did you think that affected your relationships with people outside racing? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. How so? For example, like I went over to Europe this year and I had a girlfriend at the time and I was like, come over to Europe. Like you need to come over to Europe, you know, watch me race. And she's trying to, she at the time she, and still now she was trying to build her business up and I was like, no, no, come over. I'll pay for a ticket. I'll get you over here. Come watch me race. It's my last year. And she's like, like, I've got my business. I've got to build up. And I'd always view it in my head. It's like, well, mine somehow seems more important because it's like bigger and more shiny. But it's like, if she's like, oh, I want you to stay in Australia and help me with my business. I'd be like, no way. I got like, I got to do my thing. So mm-hmm. like, why does my thing trump your thing? But that's the whole thing. It's like, because it's in Europe because I'm going to pay for it. Like if you put those things in front of it, you're like, oh yeah, that's quite, that, that's cool. That's, that's big. But I'm like, okay, why does my job trump your job? Mm. And why is it because I want you there that you should come when you've got stuff you need to do? 
And it's that mindset, I guess, my job always seemed more important than other people's job because it was like a World Cup race. Like you go around the world, you race mountain bikes. And I'm like, but why does that trump someone that works at a bank or someone that is a hairdresser or like like whatever it may be? Mm. Why does that trump that? And it's like, I'd miss birthdays. I'd miss weddings. I'd miss all these things because I'm like, I got to be in Europe. I got to be at a World Cup. I miss, you miss all that stuff. And it's people accept it and they're okay with it. But that's all for me. Do you regret that slightly? I don't regret it because I knew it was part of the job. But again, I'm happy I retired yeah. because my values have shifted from what they were. So I knew where I was getting more of my happiness from. And I was like, I need to go into that. And I know myself enough now that I don't need to keep doing that thing just because I've always done it. Yeah. And I've found it in other places. But there's like there's a tax you pay being a world cup racer from australia that i don't think a lot of people realize because it is cool and i'm not saying that it's not something you should go after it shouldn't go after because i enjoyed doing it for the last 10 years but relationships are going to struggle friendships are going to struggle um connections like solid connections with people will struggle in a certain way it's just you, you can't be two places at once so it's just something that comes with it but comes back what are your values what do you want to do where do you want to go and only you know that mm. so it's like in the moment you've got to be very self-aware of where you're at and then act to your true self and not act because of where your team wants to see you or your family or your friends or anyone else it's like what do i want to do and actually know the answer to that yeah yeah wow. Josh, stop swinging on your chair you'll be able to see the back of your Oh, sorry. Yeah, just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a fidgeter, man. I'm yeah. like literally one of the biggest fidgeters. Like I'll be twirling my fingers, clicking pens. <laughs> at school one time, like at school, man, um, I was I would swing on my chair so much mm. that like in primary school, my teacher would take my chair off me. <laughs> yeah. Now look at you. Now you're just going to be like waving, spinning around. <laughs> yeah, I've been like this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. 360. I just have to be moving all the time. Sure. What do you reckon that is? I can't turn my brain off. I think I just have to be go, go, go as well all the time. Do you do any breath breath work? No. I surf and hold my breath when I get smoked. That's not breath work. You don't do the breath work anymore in the pools and stuff? Not really. I haven't done that for a while, but Mm. no. Any takeaway from this? Probably do some breath work and read books. Hmm. Yeah, I actually have been reading books. Yeah. It'll help a lot, man. Biggest, biggest thing that helps me with podcasting is, is reading. Yeah. So I think it's super beneficial. I've already learned so much off these podcasts. It's crazy, <laughs> man. I've, I've learned so much. I'm like, you're just a ball of wisdom. I'm like, just gaining as much as I can. It's sick. That's 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 the way. That's why I'd want to do more podcasts, man. Because, like I said, everything you know is an expert at something you know nothing about. Mm. And to be able to not only receive that and learn from it, but then share it with everyone else, is such a powerful, fulfilling thing. And then it comes back to it's like, okay, what makes you feel good? Like, what makes you feel really good? Mm. And I guarantee you have a few things that you'll be like, yeah, that and this and that. But you're like, you'll start to figure yourself out more. And one thing for me was when I'd get, when I do a podcast with someone and I would share a message and people would then come back to me and go, that really helped me. Like that helped me in this positive way. And I've changed my habits or I've changed something in my life. And that's been really rewarding. I'm like, oh man, like that's, that's addictive. Honestly, I can relate to that because you've done that for me on multiple occasions. Well, it's like you said, you went to... Mm. Even the other day when you sent me that 
voice message about the structure behind grinding. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even respond to that. Like, I did... Sorry, I did leave you. I didn't reply to that, but I was, like, so, like, he struck and yeah. had to process that that I actually couldn't, yeah. like, formulate a reply. Mm. It's, so, I've... Like, I honestly just took a little break from, like, getting up at 4.30 and going to the gym. Mm. And, like... Because I was like so, so determined because I just broke my scaphoid. I'm coming mm. back on the scaphoid. I was so like, I'm, this is going to be the fastest scaphoid recovery ever. I'm going to be back on the bike. Mm. I need to get back to work to earn money to go back over. And I was just like, okay, I've got all these things to do. And I was like, it wasn't structured. It was like super on like how I was feeling, which was super negative. Like mm. I would get home. So I'd get home and I'd be like, scroll on Instagram and be like, oh, this person's riding, oh, mm. far out, far out. Well, what can I do to make up? And I would go back to the gym. Yeah. And I was like, he's like, you need structure behind grind. I was like, yeah, he's right. I need to focus more and have like an actual plan. Mm. And yeah, that honestly helped me a lot. Mm. So thank just, you. That's okay. You can't just bash your head against the wall, man. Like you can't, you got to know the direction you want to go. Mm. Like even if you hop in your car and you just like put your foot on the throttle, like where are you going? Mm. Like you don't know where you're going to end up. So you got to you got to put in a Google Maps. So I want to get to here, yeah. and it's going to show you the way to get there. But you've got to figure out what turns you make and what what you put into yourself and everything that comes along with that. But that's the whole like. And then I hope eventually, like you pass that on to someone. Mm. Like that's the thing. It's like it's it's just a nice feeling to see someone that you've helped actually take on board and then not only better themselves but then help someone else like it's such a positive flow-on effect and it's just this net positive thing when you can like be a good person and then that other person becomes a good person and they help someone else and it's like that's it's like a chain reaction chain, yeah exactly yeah. and it just it's just a good feeling man like there's there's and that's like, I, like life's about like good feelings and good moments and I'm like if you can create more of those then like why wouldn't you and right. that's just like if you can do it on a larger scale then like why wouldn't you either it's like if you've got the opportunity to do something do it yeah so yeah yeah wow. yeah we sat and talked in the car for ages about that because because i was in shahaba last literally last weekend mm. and um and josh was talking to me oh yeah dean sent me this thing tell me what you think so i listened to it and i'm like yeah he's 100 percent right 100 <laughs> percent. yeah i was like oh i battled with that for a good while man like that structure because i didn't have any of that i was just like so do things on just feelings. Also, if like you, if you got a coach or something in your life, even like a fitness coach. Tim Butler's a mentor, sort of um, acts as a mentor to me. Yeah, but do you have like an actual someone in like a gym or someone to go on? I feel like you need someone to kind of not keep you accountable because I know you show up, mm. but I don't think it's the showing up thing that's the issue. I think it's like the structured and like someone to be like, Josh, you can you can chill. You can chill today. Let's go for a spin. Like, let's do something. Like, I think you more need that. You need someone to almost verify that what you're doing is right. Yeah. And, like, then you wouldn't probably have so much, like, head noise about what you're doing. And I think, like, I've always had really good years when I've got a coach, even if it's just a fitness coach. It's just someone to bounce thoughts off and how you feel. And it's almost a therapist in a way. Mm. But every time I've had really good years, I've always had someone to, like chat with and just be there and it kind of just keeps you it keeps you level-headed 
So I think that would probably be moving forward, get someone like that in your life that you can just maybe see once or twice a week. And I think it'd be super beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. All good, bro. I appreciate it. No, it's all good. But there'll be someone, like I'm sure you'll be able to find someone that'd be like, all right, we're doing this twice a week. And you're like, all right. And they'll show you. It's like, like you said, you, again, someone that's an expert, you know nothing about. Go see someone that's an expert. Mm. Go see someone that's doing something you've seen that you're like, oh my God, he's he's getting after it. He's doing it. And you go, I want to be like that guy. Yeah. And then attach yourself to him. It's, it's literally as easy as that. It's like, see people that you are doing things that you want to do and then just try and be around them as much as you can. It's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you will become your environment. If you're around good people, you're around driven people, you're around healthy people, you're around fast people. You'll become them things. Yeah. And you do it subconsciously as well at a certain point. Mm. At the start, it'll be conscious and then you'll start doing things that they're doing, speaking how they're speaking, eating what they're eating. It's mm. like you level up with them. So it's like you just got to surround yourself with people that are doing the things you want to actually do. And there's that thing about like you, it's, it was one thing where it's like, it's really hard for people to let go of normality in friendship groups and in family and in all these things because... Again, it comes back to comfortability. If you're in a group of people, you're comfortable. You got yeah. friends, you got your family, you got all this stuff, but you have this different idea of where you see your life or how you see your values or how you see where you see yourself going. And when you separate yourself because you start being different, you're gonna lose that comfortability, you're gonna lose those friends, you're gonna lose that connection with your family. And that could be seen as something really bad because there's gonna be a period of time when you've lost those friends and you're gonna have a period of time where you don't have new friends. So it's like a period of isolation. Really. There's a period of isolation. but And that's the thing where you've got to go, okay, well, what do I really want out of this? And who do I want to be around? And you'll, you'll figure it out. And then you'll start putting yourself in situations where people will come up to you and be like, I'm doing the exact same thing that you want to do. And I can connect with you on such a similar level. That you're like, oh, these are my people. Mm. And then you'll find them and you'll be like, what was I ever doing before? But you've got to go through that isolate that point of isolation. But a lot of time in that point of isolation, you'll realize, okay, what do I want to do? Like, who is Josh? And what does Josh want to get out of this? And once you figure that out, then you start putting yourself in situations, in groups, in, in places where it's like, oh, these people are doing what I want to do. And it's so easy to connect with them because it's not like you're trying to pretend to be someone else to just fit in with people you don't want to be with. Yeah. yeah. In, those, in those situations, if you find that people are coming to you for that kind of stuff, how do you, obviously there's a certain level to that where it's draining, not in a bad way, but everything takes energy in some regards. How do you find you have the energy to? Um, How do you mean when people are coming to me? Like in, in what in what way? Well, you said that if people come to you, I can click with you on this level and I'd like to just be around. Mm. Even if they're new to the game, right? Like. Okay, I'll be fully honest, right? <laughs> this might, don't, don't take this the wrong way. It might come across a bit harsh, but like Josh being around you, he's trying to glean so much information off you and, and whatnot. There's, the reality is there's a certain level of energy that that takes to, mm. to, okay, Josh, how about you try and do this? There's, all this energy comes, and I'm sure there might, there might not be, but there might be other people that are doing that. How do you mm. find the energy to do that? You just got to know yourself and how much you can give. Right. And you've got to understand when, and you've got to know when to say no. Mm. And you've got to be able to say no. And you've got to learn to be able to say no to m more people. I think like, I'm somewhat big in the mountain biking community, but 
that's still tiny in the grand scheme of everything. <laughs> so mm. to do a podcast with you guys, it's not hard. It's not hard and it, it will, I'm sure someone will listen to it, enjoy it and it'll be a cool thing. But I think when you obviously level up in fame, a lot more people start ringing and there's a certain point when you go, okay, I've got to have a hard stop on this because you burn out. Right. But that all comes back to only you know you and you know the things that will uh, push you over the edge and you also know the things that will bring you back from the edge. Yep. So it all comes back to your self-awareness and where you're at. And I think being a yes man's great, but you can only be a yes man if you know your own triggers and your own um, processes to get yourself back from the edge and also what will get you to the edge kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, like I said, I'm, I'm doing this is fine because I want to do it. I think it's cool what you guys are doing. I know what it's like to start a podcast and it takes a lot of effort and people might not see it because they think you're just talking into a mic but you got cameras, you got to drive here, you got to set it up. It's, it's work. So I'm like, I'm happy to put effort back into that but I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think it's a, it's, it's a bad thing to, to give a lot of your energy. You just got to know when to like cut it off when it's, when it's too much and know, you just got to know yourself when that is. Yeah, and how did you, I guess, build that self-awareness? It's one of those things. It's like you just you just kind of do. Yeah. I think you get pushed over the edge. Like I don't think you only know where the edge is when you go over it. Hmm. And I think you've again like if things if you're not feeling good and things aren't you you know yourself when you you're in your best self. You know when you're feeling good and you know when you're feeling bad. And it's just being aware. It's like okay, I feel bad. What am I not doing? Right. Or I feel bad. What am I doing? And then you got to like look at that and go, okay, I should probably stop doing this or that or hanging out with them or maybe I need to sleep more or maybe I need to go to the gym. Like it's like you you know. Mm. Like this whole thing where it's like I would always ask kids when they would come up to me and said, oh, like how do I get faster? I go. Okay. I would have been one of them kids. <laughs> but I just asked him, I was like, how, how do you think you get faster? And they're like, oh, I'd probably ride more. Like maybe like ride maybe like twice a week or three times a week. I'm like, yeah, what else do you think you do? Probably start going to the gym, I reckon. Yeah, what else? Oh, probably eat better because I don't eat that, that good. Um, it's like, yeah, anything else? Maybe I'll stretch a bit. Like, I'm always quite sore. And they put this list out. And I was like, do that. Yeah. It's like, you know exactly what you need to do. You, they, Everyone knows exactly what they need to do. It's knowing, knowing is not the issue. It's actually acting and having the discipline to act on what you know you need to do. Mm. But if you ask most people, they'll like everyone kind of with the technology where we are, it's like, you can even just ask chat GPT. How do I become a good podcaster? How do I become a good mountain biker? Like you literally have a computer telling you exactly what to do now, even if you don't know, but you probably do. Yeah. So it's, that's not the heart. That's not the challenge. Knowing isn't the challenge. It's acting upon what you know is the challenge. I think that also like for me, I'm a very, the way I think about things, I like to talk about it and articulate it. So sometimes for people, it might not just be, oh, I don't know, or they know it, but they don't know how to articulate. So it doesn't, it's just subconscious. Mm. Like, and that's definitely the case for me. Like, I think obviously my mum's a big one. Like when I talk to my mum, I often find that I can figure out what I'm thinking about because I'm very much go from A to B and miss a lot of this middle section mm. and the steps to get there. And my mum is very much about this middle section. So I think it, it's very important to f kind of find those people to talk to, to get that middle section, to get those steps as well as 
I know what I've got to do, but I don't, it's so hard to explain. It's very like, I think subconsciously I know what to do, but consciously I don't know how to articulate that almost. Mm. I think that's, yeah. that, that. And that's where really good like mentors and stuff come into play because they fill those gaps mm. and they keep you accountable and they help you show up. And when it's a shit day and you're around people that have done, have gone through what you are going through and go, it gets better. Mm. And you go, okay, maybe it does. Like you've, you've done this. I trust you. You've gone through it. And that will pull you out of where you're at. Yeah. And it's like if you can find, if you surround yourself with people like that, it's it's like they're, they're like your life best when it gets hard. Yeah. I think good people, good friends, good family members, all that, that's, that'll keep you above water. But you need to obviously have those relationships and build them and keep them strong to, to let them be there. You yeah. need to keep them inflated so they can keep you above water. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Definitely. Yeah. And kind of shifting, not shifting gears, but when I heard this saying new level, different devil, when you kind of were going from racing juniors and I don't know much about the, the, the bike riding, how, how it all works, but when you're, you're going from kind of just racing under 18s to then juniors and pros and what, what not, what did you find were the different devils at the, at the newer than the higher levels? Well, that kind of comes back to when I got my professional ride and I hated it. Right. It's all that. It's like you, every, every time you conquer a level or perceive that you conquer a level, there's something, another challenge. But that's not, why is that a bad thing? Yeah. It comes back to, okay, now I've got to figure out how to beat this level and go up again. Mm. But like, imagine, imagine playing a game and you just walk through it and you won every level without doing anything would you want to play it no i don't want to play it no. so what's what's the point but then at the same in the same breath we complain about the challenges yeah so it's like if you look at something and it comes back to anything worth doing will carry with it a certain level of hard or a devil or whatever you want to call it and it's like you've got to learn to fall in love with that challenge or with that hardship or with that devil or whatever you want to call it because that will make you level up and keep leveling up. It's like everyone's like such a cliche thing, but it's like if you're nervous about something, if you have fear attached to it, it's like you're on the right track, keep going. Hmm. Like, okay, this is scary. This is a lot. This is going to be hard. Okay, you're on the right track, keep going. Mm. And it's just having to reinforce that in yourself that if it was easy, like the whole everyone would do it thing is such a real thing. And that's why people do do easy things because they don't want to do hard shit. They don't want to have that feeling of, oh, I could lose or oh, I could go wrong. Because mm. they look like my... This whole idea of like manifesting is just looking at the situation you want and then putting all the steps in place to make that happen. It's like visualization. See yourself doing the thing you want to do and then just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Like It's like I manifest as like if you can see the thing that you want, like that's such a powerful thing to, to be like, all right, I see myself there. Yeah. Like, I don't know what goal if you have like as a singer, like see yourself on stage, thousands of people out in front of you, feel that. Mm. Like I used to do vis visualization when I was driving in my car and I'd pretend I was at like a World Cup and I'd finished and I'd just like won and there's people around me and like I'd be crying in my car, like full on tears crying in my car because I was like, I was in that moment. I was so in that moment. I could feel the emotions. And I've had more emotions come out of me through visualization months before races than actually being on the podium or winning a, like winning a race. That's, That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. 
<laughs> that is insane. So that's like, and people say that, and then I talked to someone about this the other day and they're like, do you reckon it's because you've already lived it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, wow. So it's like, it's this thing where taking that emotion is building the fuel to achieve that goal. But in doing that, you're diluting, diluting the actual victory because you've already felt the emotion out of it. It's right. like you pulled a bit of that emotion and you've just brought it back from when it was actually going to happen. Do you think that's a good thing then to do that? If it makes you achieve the goal, I think so. I think you and you need as much fuel as you can get. So I, I think visualization to anyone that doesn't do it is one of the most powerful things you can do. And I don't think you could really underestimate the power that it has over pushing you forward. Like I'm, I, I can remember so clearly so many times I'd just be driving in my car and literally just bawling my eyes out because I'm just like, achieve this thing. And I remember when I got my first podium at a World Cup, I was like, cool. I didn't cry. I wasn't as emotional as I was in this car like four months before. It was just like, sweet. Yeah, wow. And like, you almost... That was actually one of my questions, but thank you for answering. Yeah, but it's just, it's funny, man. And like, it might seem weird, but I like, think think of something you really want to do and then imagine the emotion of it actually happening like how good that would feel no matter where that is and like really feel it like see yourself see the crowd see the people in the front row see your family around you like feel all that emotion and like that would be like yep that's what i want i want that and then that's when you get up at 4am and go for the run or you'll stay in at work later and put that extra effort in because you're like Man, if that's what that feeling's like, I want that again and again and again kind of yeah. thing. So, mm. yeah. Also, you can go. You go. Um, I think that a lot of people often say that when you tie so much emotion to things, you can lose focus. And I think for me, by nature, I tend to be a little bit emotional, but I've learned to almost, almost select when the right time is to use my emotions do you think that 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 is one of those times and or do you think that sometimes that can get in the way how do you mean exactly so you you're saying using your emotions can be like beneficial in certain so i'm of the belief that sometimes my emotions or not myself personally but anyone's emotions can overcome overcome them and the the straight idea of what they wanted to do kind of goes out the window. It's, so it's almost saying, overtaken. They're kind of like acting out of emotion, not out of logic. In yeah. A way. It depends on the situation. Right. I think like if you're if you're racing mountain bikes or a boxer or something where it's like a high, like okay, this is a high pressure situation. You probably don't want to act out of emotion. You probably want to act out of logic, or else it probably go wrong. But I can imagine a situation when, I don't know, just for example, maybe like you're in love with someone and logic gets kind of thrown out the window and you kind of go forward with your heart on your sleeve and then sometimes that's better. So yeah, and emotion so, can go either way. Yeah. Do you find that those visualizations ever, the emotion behind those visualizations ever took over the logic when you needed to race? Nah, not really. Because most of the time that those visualizations were months before I was even at the track. Right. Like they, I didn't really visualize much. Like sometimes I'd visualize my run and stuff at a right. race, but it doesn't, what do you say? It's, you need the discipline and the motivation months before the event. 
Mm. Like, you don't win the race at the race. Yeah. Like, okay, you've won. That didn't all happen in those two days. Like, that's a big chunk of it. That's a big part of it. Like, you started winning that race four months ago mm-hmm. when you were on the road bike, when you are at the gym, when you were setting your bike up, when you were working out team stuff. Like, it's such a long build. But I believe that having the discipline back there and, like, using the visualization as a form of, like, motivation to then create that discipline is where you start to win the race. Right. Yeah. So, how do you actually visualize? Like, to someone who doesn't know, like, how would you even go about, like, you've, we've all, we just said, oh, I, I, I was, felt the emotions in my car and this but for someone who doesn't know how to do it how would they be like oh i can't see what i want to do like how would you visualize actually how do you do it i think for me i I do it a lot of time when i'm driving so i don't need to close my eyes but for someone that hasn't done it before i'd probably just close my eyes try and find a quiet place where there's not much going on then close your eyes and just think about the thing that you really want like think about the thing you really want whether that's a race or a job or a girl or something like that and now see yourself like look at yourself in that situation and look at yourself how it would look how that would look to you like your you imagine your dream future almost and then put yourself in that so just say for me it was always racing and i would always visualize myself like crossing the line and i would always like visualize myself going up to like the red bull presenter and i'd be doing an interview and like the finish line and they're like how was your run and i'd be like oh it was so good or whatever like that's what i would think about Mm. but really see the person see the microphone see the person hear the noise like just like think about everything like it's like if you were at a world cup what would it sound like sirens people cheering there's there's flares there's like feel that see that like it's like you have to create that in your mind and i'm sure some people would be way better at it than others but if it's something that you're not good at, just keep practicing, man. Like I said before, maybe breath work, calm yourself down, relax yourself, and then just really try and think about like a smell. Think about like, okay, it's just started raining. It's like that rain on wet grass at a World Cup. And it's just like, it's, think of the emotion that creates. And I think just, it's just seeing yourself in the situation you want to see yourself in. Like what what is the best version of you or the best situation for you look like? And then just put yourself in there mentally. And then I think that will create a life that you want to go into. Like, and I heard this thing the other day that I really like as well. If that doesn't motivate you, visualize what it would look like if you didn't change what you were doing. If you were doing something, if you're doing something you don't want to do, visualize what your future looks like. Okay, if I keep doing what I'm doing, knowing that this isn't what I should be doing, what does my life look like in 10 years, in 20 years? And I guarantee you, if you fast forward that and you're doing stuff you know you shouldn't be doing, whether that's drinking a lot, doing drugs, not living to your full purpose. Like that's going to motivate you as well because you go, man, I'm single. I'm living in a shit house. I work in a shit job. I'm unhealthy. I'm fat. I'm like, fuck that guy. Like that guy sucks. Mm. So that will motivate you as well. It comes back to the pain and pleasure thing. What motivates you? Is it pain or pleasure? If it's pleasure, visualize yourself in the best life imaginable. If it's pain, visualize yourself in the worst possible place and try and escape it and yeah. try and escape it either one yeah but it's up to you it's like you 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 know you and what works better for you and then it's just figuring yourself out man like no no, no one else is going to know you as much as you know you yeah and no one else is going to write the the playbook on how you live your life and what you get the most out of because all these people are going to assume that you should do something because you've either always done it or they think you're happier doing that but at the end of the day 
you got to do what makes you happy. And if you don't, then what are you doing? Mm. So here's probably a dumb question. <laughs> no dumb questions. But um, the vision, like where you're visualizing the emotion months before the thing that like take takes place as a mountain biker how is that different to like when you see the pros on the trainer doing these and visualizing like their actual run is that different to visualizing like the emotions that's still visualizing man but the... that's still visualizing but that i guess it's a difference in that is they're visualizing to see where they're going mm. and i guess me in the car is visualizing like it's a I guess it's the same it's like a it's a future it's, it's trying to look into the future in a way look yeah. at the future of the track i just guess i pull more more an emotional thing where that's more of a tactical like just trying to see the track i guess yeah but i guess it's, they've both got their benefit mm. one's more research the other's motivation i guess yeah yeah but similar thing when you see people doing that it's very similar yeah yeah because i've like my first time i actually saw people see you on a train and visualize was at my first world cup mm. And I was like, what are these guys doing? Yeah, well, I was like, I knew what they're doing. I'm like, they're visualizing. Oh, that's so sick. I think they're a bit excessive. When they do the hand pedal thing, I'm like, get out of here with that. That's stupid. <laughs> it's like, you don't, you don't have to, you don't pedal with your hands. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. like I'm like, oh my God, stop. Oh yeah. It's pretty entertaining to watch. I was at the top of Andorra where I was just like, cause I didn't qualify at Andorra and stuff. I just would always just go up and try watch and learn like the pros before they drop in mm. and man finn isles was so funny to watch oh man like <laughs> uh, like the ballet dancers yeah just really now nah, if it works for them like exactly he's gone faster than me so i can't maybe i'll oh, slap my hands around i just thought it was always funny yeah it seems a bit like i'm like all for visualizing but i just if you want to use your hands all good mm. just i just didn't understand it it's not point. my thing mm. yeah yeah i just didn't understand Mm. it's like, pretty powerful when you see yourself in a better situation or see yourself doing something and then once you see yourself doing it, it becomes easier to do it do you think it's do you think that visualization's similar to like seeing yourself in a flow state or like being in a flow state i think it helps create it yeah yeah i think if you because it, it creates belief yeah if you can see yourself do something it makes it easier to, to try and achieve that thing and if you believe that you can do something like flow states normally i don't i think belief is probably the number one ingredient that creates a flow state mm. if you can believe in yourself and believe that what you are doing is the right thing that will create flow yeah and belief is a powerful thing man like i remember when i the last time i tr truly got into it i think was 2019 world champs in mont saint anne and i remember practicing in the morning and riding that well that i believed that i could win and it's like I've believed I could win maybe three times at World Cups before. Yeah. Like actually, because obviously you want to win. Yeah. But it's a difference yeah. between I want to win and shit, I could win. And the belief I had that morning was like, oh my God, I'm going like, I'm going so fast and riding so well and having so much fun. Like I could win this race. And that belief then channeled into my race run and I ended up crashing. But. I was talking about I was like first at the first split and Loic was like one 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 and he had one two and it was the first split I took one away from him and yeah. like that to me was even like to know on the world stage when I rode rode my best that you were there I could be one of the fastest guys in the entire world and that to me is like such a like that was even though I crashed and didn't didn't win it was just like oh man like, like to know that your best 
is the best is pretty insane feeling. Like think of how many people try and mountain bike in the world. And when I found that flow state and was riding my actual best and everything was channeled and working, like that is the best. Mm. And there's very few people that can say that about any kind of sport in the world. So to say that on that day that I could be one of those people, I'm like, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad I could, I can say that I did that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's powerful. you got to believe in yourself, man. You got to believe in yourself even before you have the, the resume to show, to mm. show that you actually can do that thing. The whole like fake it till you make it thing. It's just, yeah. like, just, you got to, you got to believe that. Okay. I'm going to make this work mm. and really believe it. Yeah, that reminds me of a quote from Mike Tyson where he says, confidence breeds success and success breeds confidence. Yeah, they feed off each other. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask actually, was that the main thing that like, like you said, breed, like breed your confidence? Is that the main thing that was the the driver and the, the builder of your confidence? Confidence is built by a million different things. But like confidence is built when you wake up, confidence is built from what you eat, who you're around everything so confidence and belief are very similar things but yeah your confidence is it comes from a assortment of different actions and moments and food and smells and all of these things that build how confident you are but that comes back to living to your true authentic self and if you're doing that you're confident because you know okay i'm on the right path i'm doing the right things and then it's easy was there like a single moment that you or a moment that you remember that was okay. I am on the right track. With with what in particular is racing? R- racing, riding, whatever. Not a particular moment. Hey, like I always, like when I got into it, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, I knew I was really good at it. I knew I could get better, and I just believed that I could. But there wasn't a moment where I was like, we're on the right track. I think I just kind of always kind of knew like i wasn't very good at many things like i wasn't that good at anything else and then i started mountain biking and i was like oh i'm really good at this and then it was like let's keep doing this Mm. kind of thing but there wasn't a moment where i was like this is it it just kind of you flows into itself you just keep chasing chasing after something and you obviously keep catching it and then chase something else and catch that and keep going and your expectation yourself goes up and the the want goes up and there's a new challenge and then you got to overcome that, come back to the different devil kind of thing. And I think, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just always just been something. It's like, what's the next thing I need to overcome? What's the next thing I need to conquer kind of thing? And you just chip away at it and yeah. I got a question. Um, how are you doing mentally now? Good, man. Good, but not, not great. Definitely. Um, the, the, Come so they had three things that all happened at once that were pretty challenging to deal with the retirement, which I'd accepted, but that's still something I did for seventeen years mm. and poured my life into. Do you my, feel like you had to let a piece of yourself go in retiring? Not, not let a piece of me go, but like I'm gonna miss it a lot because as much as it wasn't where I was getting true fulfillment and happiness from anymore i knew how much i'd have gotten from it for so long yeah and i know that it's not where i get it from anymore but i'm also sad that it wasn't where i got it from it wasn't like i was happy that i fell out of love with mountain biking like that wasn't like oh yeah i'm so glad i don't love mountain biking anymore (laughs) yeah it was like 
I don't love it anymore, so I shouldn't keep doing it. But I wish I could keep loving it because it was it was incredible. Like it was so fun to do, and I'd I'd ride my bike and I'd almost rather be anywhere else. And like that feeling sucked. To think about something that I did for so long for free and loved every second of it, to then someone's paying you and you don't want to do it is it's kind of sad. So just coming to terms with that and being, and I was okay with it because I knew it was the right decision, but still to go through with it is still a bit of a mental strain on the best of days to then going into the spinal cord injury, which just being in so much pain, uncertainty about recovery and when feelings going to come back and just you're in a bit of a limbo state. Um, You can't do that much. You're struggling. Like I, you lost, I lost all my, like I lost like 10 kilos or something. I lost all my strength. Um, you get kind of viewed differently by the world. Everyone looks at you as a bit of a victim and, and has a lot of sympathy towards you, but mm. it gets to the point where you're like, I just want to be normal. I don't want to, I don't want people to be like, are you okay? Is everything all right? Can yeah, you yeah. do this? Like, should you do this? Mm. You feel like you get babied by everyone and that's quite draining in itself because then you don't want to see people because you don't want to be made out as being different. Even though, at the time you are a bit different, you're yeah. you're in a in a ser- you've had a serious injury. So that again, that was something that was very draining. And then I had a the relationship I was in was failing as well. So that was kind of ending at the same time. So I had three pretty life changing or life altering things happening, all compounding on top of each other. So there was definitely some um, there were some days there where I yeah it was pretty off it all to be completely honest i was mm-hmm. like what's the point in trying to be healthy i didn't didn't want to try and recover i didn't even want to eat healthy i was just eating shit food i was um not doing that much i couldn't do that much i was just at home most of the day it was just yeah there was there was not a lot of uh excitement kind of happening in my life and it was a lot of questioning about like why did this happen and what went wrong and how can i change that but also in the state of not even feeling like you want to change anything. Like you, I just didn't want to do anything. Mm. I didn't have any motivation to try and do anything. So, um, yeah, there was some really, really shit days to, to come out of. But then knowing coming out of it now, even just trying to have that gratitude towards small things where you can kind of be like, okay, well, it was real bad and now it's getting better. So let's enjoy that it's getting better. But it's like anything. It just life's about ups, highs and lows. And I know from some of the lowest points I've ever been in, they've swung back to the highest. So it's like it will swing back and mm-hmm. I guarantee that it will. But it's just trying to find myself, I guess, again, to a certain level. And again, I know how happy I can be. I know how excited I can be. And I know how much of a, a good person I can be when I'm living to that version of myself. And I'm just trying to find that again. Mm. And I'm sure we'll get back there, but I'm still, guess, in the building stage of getting fit and healthy again, um, understanding certain things that happened and why they happened and with the relationship, with the career, with the injury and just being okay with that. But yeah, it's just a lot of, I guess, yeah, self-reflection and awareness and learning and showing up and grinding and just like a lot of stuff that to build me back to that person that I know I can be. So... We're in the process of that now. I posted a thing the other day saying 2024 feels like a rebuild year Mm. with the business, with my health, with relationships, with everything. It's like, let's build 
back to where I should be. So yeah. that's yeah. the goal. That's awesome. Yeah. What were the things and the steps you took to like pull yourself out of those really, really dark places? Because you said you're isolated. I'm assuming there wasn't like there, of course there was people around you that mm. would have helped, but what like for yourself, to, like were the things you did to pull big yourself? one was yeah, seeing people again. Like I didn't want to leave the house, but then sometimes friends would come over and they're like, No, I'll just come and do this and I would like leave and I went and shot some photos at this gym that I would go to and just to have like a bit of a purpose again, mm. even though it was just something small. Like just to go and actually do something was such a rewarding feeling again. And then just, again, knowing myself well enough to be like, all right, stop eating shitty cereal, like make something good for breakfast. Like that, like just that alone, like made me feel way better. Yeah. Cause like, I know like just eating crap cereal is not, not good, not good. <laughs> but if you do, if you like, you don't even have feeling in your, one of your hands and you can't like hold a knife, mm. it's like, well, I'm just going to eat cereal then. Yeah. And then you, and you play on that emotion. Well it's, well, it's okay. I can't use my hand properly. So I've got to eat shit. And you justify that in your, your thoughts, but knowing for well that there's other things you eat some fruit, peel a banana, like there's other, <laughs> there's other things you can do, but you get, it's so easy to get stuck in that victim mentality. And I think a spinal cord injury and I don't like saying this because I know I'm getting a lot better, yeah. but a spinal cord injury can be a bit of a cop out for people seeing you as seeing your excuses as being okay. Yeah. So it's like, if I go, Oh, I haven't been eating well and I haven't been doing much and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. You've, you've had a spinal cord injury and they'll, mm. they'll, uh, they'll allow, like they'll allow it. It's like a get out of jail free card. Mm. It's like, Oh, you had a spinal cord injury. Oh, okay. Fully understand. Like you don't have to come to this thing and you don't have to do, and do this and do that. And it makes it like, you can just get away with not doing anything and you mm. kind of play into that and you're like, yeah, yeah, I am a victim. This isn't fair. And that's such a dangerous and shitty mindset to have mm. because it was like, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? Why did it have to happen just before my retirement? Why? Like, blah, 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 blah. And just become like, you just sound like a baby because you're just complaining. It's like, I believe it happened because my heart wasn't fully in it. I had to accept that. And I have to learn from, to not go into things if the heart's not in it. Mm. It's like, okay, there's a lesson. There's something I pulled out of that. Yeah. And now getting better that it's like, all right, ex embrace things and ex and enjoy things more in in moments like i went surfing the other day and like i never thought i'd in that in the moment when i'm laying on the ground that i'd ever surf again and then mm -hmm. like after the surf i was like oh man how good is this how good is this that i get to do this and it's now i have that extra bit of appreciation on things i do and it's just like trying to appreciate it either while it's happening or directly after for longer than you would normally because it's like so often you go through life and you don't actually like stop and smell the roses. And yeah. it's like trying to smell those roses more often during the day, I think is a very beneficial thing we can all do. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. That's cool. It is hour and a half, hour 20. Yeah, around that. Ask the closing question, finish on a happy note, on a bit of hope. I've <laughs> We've come up with a closing question. We think we'd... Oh, where is my closing? I already, I know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Ask <laughs> we'll, we'll ask a closing question. We'll ask probably all the guests. Yeah. But we yeah. thought it would be a good way to wrap up. A little tradition we might start. But it, it's it's a fairly simple question to ask, maybe not to answer. But what is the biggest lesson you've learned through your entire life? 
sorry it's so many of them eh? one came to mind i'll answer it better but this guy had this thing and it was just like don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff mm. so i guess the idea that to expand on that i guess we put so much worry into things that like dude we're like we're we're a little dot floating in space mm. like <laughs> and we stress about all these things and like yeah there's some hard things we go through but on the grand scale if you zoom out it's not much it's all small stuff it's like i think i think like i said before we we really enhance negative emotions and we kind of push down good emotions and i don't know why we like are so drawn to those things but i think it's just like coming back to take a breath zoom out life isn't that bad <laughs> things things get hard for a reason learn from them um and enjoy like the good moments because yeah you don't know how long they'll they'll be around for but i think just be a good person try and connect with as many people as you can i think we're all way more similar than we like to give credit for and if you actually put yourself out there more and connect with more people you'll realize life is that's more or less what i think life's about like really strong connections with new people around the world in your town wherever you are i think is is super beneficial the more friends you have in the world i think the happier you'll truly be um travel see as much as the world as you can i think you'll subconsciously become a better more caring loving accepting person if you see more ways of living even if you don't agree or you do agree with how they live it just shows you that it's not wrong or right it's just different and mm -hmm. difference okay so i think travel as much meet as many people as you can do as many things that make you step outside your comfort zone as i think you can because i think yeah a lot of people get frozen by fear but it's like what's on the other side of that is is the good stuff so if you dive into that a bit more that will ultimately make you feel better in probably every way yeah um and probably just smile smile more it's crazy like just smiling at someone can um can do mm. it can open up a can open up so many doors and it's such a simple easy thing to do and so many of us don't do it <laughs> yeah so i think yeah just smile more yeah i think that answers it very well yeah, yeah. well Thank you so much for That's all right. coming on. Good, a first guest. Can't wait till the blow up actually when it's blown up and yeah. it'll be episode 101 or something. There. Yeah, it'll we'll, be in your studio. It'll be there. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, I like yeah. that. But you're a blessing to the world, man. Thank yeah. you so much Thanks. for coming no, on. Appreciate no, it. I appreciate that. And I like what, um, it's funny, I read this thing the other day and I thought it, would, it relates really well to you. And I remember when you were like getting stuff and you kind of didn't understand why. And I read this thing the other day and it said, authenticity creates its own gravitational pull. And I thought that for you was like, that's, ex that's exactly how it sums it up. Like if you were authentic and you're yourself and you live by that, man, stuff starts coming in. Stuff starts coming in, good things start coming in. All this stuff keeps building and you kind of like, I'm just being me. Why does this stuff keep happening? It's like authenticity is such a rare commodity in this world now that when it does come out and it's obvious, people are so attracted to it and people want to be around it and they want to slice. Mm. And it's like if you can be authentically yourself, 
it will create the life that you actually really desire because the right people will show up in your life at the right times. But if you're being someone else, it's you're never going to be around the right people because you're going to be around these people you're pretending to be, not these people you are. Mm. So I just thought about that with you and like you being authentic. It's like that's your, that's everyone's, that's their, their greatest weapon that they can use is themselves. So that could be another add on to the last question as well. But yeah, just keep being you. Keep doing this. This is really cool. Thanks, Dean. Yeah. Thank you. That yeah. means a lot, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, all good. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate Appreciate for coming on. and Yeah. yeah. It was unreal. Couldn't ask for a better first one. <laughs> yeah. That was sick. Smacked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. You've got the studio and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Sorry, the podcast room wasn't dumb, so we'll just use oh, the office. But... Oh, it's unreal. <laughs> Far out, Dean. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, no, next time, next time. Oh, it's unreal, though. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, that's the first guest on Before the Blow Up. Yeah. No, don't forget to subscribe. Look at Dean's. Yeah. Social track experiences, Dean's podcast. and yeah. We're changing the name, though. Are you really? Yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to announce that? Yeah, it's going to be called D&M's with Dean. D&M's with Dean. That is a sick name. That actually. is a good name. Yeah, How I did you come up with that? Just thought about it for a while. You <laughs> <laughs> know, for a bit. I just wanted to change because off-track experience, I might even, I don't know about keeping that maybe for like, I don't want to start a new podcast. Like I want the one podcast that maybe yep. even like certain mountain bike content will be the off-track experience. And then yeah. DNMs with Dean will be like more the, the main the one. podcast. Yeah. I like so, it. Yeah. I like it. Cause the off-track experience that's mountain biking. But yeah. I want to venture out and do more conversations with people, people that are outside of mountain biking. So I think it needs to be separate. So yeah. 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 That's super change, cool. Change that's it awesome. soon. So, well, that's that's it. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> or just do what you want. If you're listening, you're listening. No, nah, do it. Do it. <laughs> or just go for a run, you know, get out, go for a swim. Yeah, yeah go give to the beach. Mu- give and then subscribe a hug. once you're done. Yeah, smile. Oh, I was yeah. going to say, write someone a letter. That's something that I've been telling people to do. Every write time someone them. wants to... um do something like if they if i do something for them like oh, i'll give you some cash or do something for you i'm like no nah, write someone a letter yeah. so if you've got someone in your life that you miss or you love we haven't talked to in a while write them a letter and just send it to them and don't say anything like don't don't be like oh i wrote you a letter just let the letter just, come yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a powerful thing that's cool i really letter. like that yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool that is really awesome so do that and like and subscribe as well yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, boys, thank you awesome Appreciate thank you very much thank you mint that was sick. Easy. Thank you, man. That's all right.